0: everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and today we are talking to Yari.
1: Yari is a licensed mental health counsellor, also known as therapist, and she has a very interesting and different approach to therapy. She's what I would say a holistic therapist in the sense that she's trying to bring classical therapy and tools from the spiritual side of things together to help Ultimately, for her, therapy is all about connection and communication. It is as simple as that. In the episode, we dive into her career, how and why she became a therapist, what was her interest in psychology, and what kind of service she provides to her clients. She's been working with very many different populations, such as family, people in the penitentiary systems, and she has very interesting and maybe controversial views about sex offenders, murder, and people yeah, in, the, in the prison system. We also talk about mental health, the misconceptions and stigma surrounding this pre-sensitive topic. And once again, her definition and description of mental health uh, blew my mind personally. I was fascinated by it. I personally very enjoyed this episode. A uh, ray of sunshine into a topic that can be quite complex and sometimes boring for people, you know, that is therapy and psychology. So yeah, we hope you enjoy this and get value from it.
0: Hello, Yari. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: You're very welcome. I'm very excited. We actually met virtually only a week ago, <laughs> yes, and uh, we we're gonna be collaborating together on on a project. Mm-hmm. And talking to you last week was very refreshing. Um, When my friend Adrian told me that we were going to be talking to a therapist, I had this image in my mind of the very, I don't know, serious, wearing gray, uh, (laughs) not smiley therapist that was going to be very like... (laughs) Rigid, (laughs) very rigid, yeah. Yeah. Boring. And and when I saw you, uh, smiley, colorful, very excited and everything, I was like, this is not what I expected at all. (laughs) yes i get that sometimes <laughs> it was funny especially and with the blue hair yeah yeah it <laughs> helps and the nails i've noticed the nails. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and when i was looking at your website and i've noticed something and this is what i would like to start the the conversation is your website is more than a therapist
2: mm-hmm.
1: can you tell us why you picked this name because that's very interesting
2: Well, you know, as an individual, I am more than a therapist. And as a therapist, I am more than just therapy. I offer holistic approaches. I integrate alternative alternative energetic healing. So I use a lot of meditation I use guided visualization I offer Reiki for those that are interested I offer regressions I incorporate a little chakra balancing I do a little bit of tarot reading so it's more than just therapy
1: hmm. and where this where is this passion for? therapy and maybe how can we call it holistic therapy what's the right Mm -hmm. term maybe to use what you do because it's uh, i feel calling it just therapy in a classical term might be a bit misleading
2: yes you know therapy has collected over the years like a bad rap and a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people see it as very boring and uptight and there's still a lot of stigma around it and now that there's so many coaches out there you know i think people are more more used to the term coaching now than therapy it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like the new thing but what i love about therapy has never changed and that is just connecting with the individual trying not trying having conversations where we understand what is happening for them, what is happening when they're here, how I can assist them based on my understanding of what they're sharing. So therapy for me is just connecting.
1: That's a very nice way to put it. And it's way less scary. In this sense, you know? Intimidating, yeah, that's the word. I
2: I, I don't bite. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, because, you know, um, when I, I think therapy has still has a stigma yeah um when people people don't like to say they go to therapy yeah they go to see someone yeah um and and there is the the stigma it's not shared as commonly as you know i'm going for a scan you know or or to I'm, I'm going to the physio because i've got a problem yeah. with my knee or my elbow I it, it could be the same but no there is this this stigma around it and um and I think the way you present it is very refreshing and less intimidating and 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 also it kind of sounds like there's nothing wrong with the person you know because I feel like people are scared to say I'm going to see a therapist because that kind of implied there is something wrong with you right and then I have
2: to tell them everything I've done no right there's gonna be so much bad shame judgment coming in and now there's it's nothing like that and i appreciate that you're taking the time to to look into that stigma and talk about it because like everything i think the movies have played a big role in how therapy (laughs) has been presented over the years you know and it's important to remind us all that what we see in the movies is not necessarily the truth Right? Just like they show a woman giving birth in five minutes at the movies. That's usually (laughs) not the case in reality, right? But the more you see movies like that, the more you tend to think that that's the way it is when you actually allow yourself to go and experience it. And having said that, there's different types of therapists, just like there's different types of doctors and different types of specialties. And just because you went to one bad doctor doesn't mean you're never going to go to another doctor again, right? Or just because you had a bad teacher in school doesn't mean that all teachers suck, right? So it's reminding ourselves of that same concept. If we are going to allow ourselves, gift ourselves the space to have that for us to share whatever it is that we want to share, because at the end of the day, you're sharing based on what you want to share. You want to come in and you want to tell me all lies? That's amazing because I won't know that they're any different, right? So that fear of what what do I have to say? You get to say whatever you want. You get to experience whatever you want to experience based on what your intention is coming to that space. Just like if you go to a bar and sometimes you have a drink and sometimes you don't, you choose that. You go to therapy, you're going to talk about your parents or not. You're going to talk about your relationship or not. You're going to talk about you or your co-worker. Whoever you decide is okay because it's a space for you. And at the end of the day, that's what I would like everybody to know. Therapy is just a space for you.
1: Yeah. I think also from what I've learned in the, the past few years uh, after talking to coaches like you mentioned and... and learning a little bit more about mental health, self-development and everything is... And I'd like to know what you think about that. that I feel, in a way, everyone should, I don't like the word should, but could go to therapy uh, and would benefit from it. You don't have to have an issue or go through something complicated in your life to go. I think even if your life is totally normal and Mm -hmm. you're pretty happy and everything, um, everyone can probably benefit from it, right?
2: Yes. And then and that ties into having the space for you. Right. So there's people that have two homes, one in the city and one at the beach. Right. You have the one on the beach because you want to go and get away and try something new, be in a new environment. Therapy is kind of like that same space, that extra room that you have that you're not paying rent for. That you can access at any time to go and relax, to go and chill, to go and have some conversation. Because maybe you don't have anybody in your life circle right now that you can have that conversation with. Maybe you're exploring spirituality and you're listening about aliens and, you know, Sirius and all these stuff. And you're like, if I say that to my friends, they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, you know, you can come and use that space for whatever conversation you want to hold.
1: Yeah,
0: I love that because I like. Again, I like. I think we have this preconceived idea that like therapy should be like, oh my god, like my divorce is going, you know, horribly wrong, or this has happened, and like, it's amazing that you can go and talk about aliens. Like, I'd never even (laughs) thought about going to therapy to talk about aliens, but I love that you brought that up.
2: (laughs) Yes, you know the Pleiadians and Sirius and all these wonderful things that I'm gonna be like, yes, I've heard about them.
1: No, I like the way you present it in a way that it's a safe space and maybe you don't have this space in your home, in your family, mm-hmm. within your f- circle of friends, uh, or maybe you just don't feel comfortable sharing some things with them for whatever reason. Uh, you're creating this space for them to share whatever the person wants and in a, in a form of self-care maybe for yes. them. To yes. Go and vent or release some pressure or or seek advice, whatever they're looking for, I guess.
2: Yes. And I think you know that's one of the differences with coaching because when you get a when you hire a coach, it's very specific, right? I want to achieve this. Right. So you're a mindset coach, we're gonna talk mindset. You're a relationship coach, we're gonna talk relationships. You're a business coach, we're gonna talk business. But when yeah. you go and access A therapy session, you literally choose what you're going to bring to the table, and it Mm. doesn't have to be structured. It doesn't have to be serious. It can be as, like I said, as easy as I want to have a space where I can talk about this and just vent, (laughs) or it could be as serious as I was raped in an Uber vehicle and I don't know what to do with that. Mm. Right? There's so many different topics that all of us as individuals experience. That we get to choose what that means for us and who we're going to share it with, and therapy is just a resource,
0: right?
1: Why and how did you get started with therapy? Uh, what motivated you um, when when you went to I guess school for to learn about it?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I always share that I in high school I was exposed to different classes. And one of them was psychology. But now that we're talking about aliens and stuff, <laughs> looking at the bigger picture, I, I am realizing that there was a bigger part of me that connected with these topics in a sense that I did not know at the time. Right? So I could only explain it through I was presented this class. I enjoyed it. My mother his, my mother's history of my dad's infidelity impacted me and influenced me. But there's tons of people out there that, you know, have a similar story and don't become a therapist. Mm-hmm. So now that I've had a lot more years into exploring spirituality and taking perspectives that are from a cosmic, you know, universal viewpoint then I could say that th- my soul literally guided me into this because I really want to connect with people. I want to assist. I want to be support. Um, saying that I want to be the light sounds too cliche. I don't want to be the light. Sometimes I want to be the dark because I am maybe going to call you out on something that you haven't heard or haven't been called on to. And you're going to be like, I thought you were going to be you know, my friend. No. <laughs> right? So it's, it's about for me again the keyword is connecting connecting with the people Mm -hmm. that come to to see how I can be of service and that is just priceless room
1: I'm curious to know what was your personality like when you were younger as a child than a teenager did you feel this need to connect with everyone were you connected with everyone or maybe did you have a lack of connection and 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 this is why you got into it? I'm curious about.
2: Well, I could take you on different perspectives with that question. I could say, you know, my dad's infidelity probably played a role in me wanting to connect with other people and and connect with Mm. that pain and understand it. My mother's experience as well. But me as a little girl, from what I've been told, I was very social butterfly. I would be like, "Hi, everybody," and like interrupt meetings that my dad would have at work, and like, "Look at me, and here I am," <laughs> you know. And then as I grew older, um, that kind of switched because as a normal kid, you experience sometimes bullying. I was bullied as a kid, and that kind of made me isolate a little bit from certain relationships. And then moving forth, I had to come to this country, I was by myself, that kind of pushed me into getting out there again and building connections again and realizing that if I want to build connections, it's all on me. So Mm -hmm. acknowledging that what I want to do is really connect and really understand. And sometimes I'm very happy and bubbly and sometimes I am not and sometimes i'm going to be all smiles and i'm just, you know, taking a bunch of burdens that you're not seeing because i'm human too. So i vacillate in in between being an extrovert and being an introvert. I really enjoy being by myself. I really enjoy being in silence. I don't watch much tv. Sometimes that's an issue because my references are from back in the day and not so much from now, <laughs> right? So I I enjoy the spectrum going from extrovert to introvert, and it's all based on what's happening and how I believe I can show up better.
1: That makes sense. And as you say, as you mentioned, you're human like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and we all, I think, to a certain degree, oscillate between those two extremes. Some tend to lean towards one side more than the other sometimes, but we all have those waves of moods and how we feel and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah that's just life, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like I usually go to get my nails done. i pick quiet. You know, I, it's not the typical, you know, you're talking to the person the whole time. Chit-chat. No, 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 no. <laughs> I am quiet because I talk a lot in, in service. So when I have my quiet moments, I really value them. So it's it, it's that dance. That makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That That's interesting, actually. And uh, I was going to ask something else, but I'm going to jump on that. Um, how do you deal, if that's the right word... With your job consists on listening quite a lot, uh, listening to I guess any kind of stories, uh, positive and negative. That must, you know, I mean, you're human. Even if you're, you can try as much as you want, maybe to detach yourself and stay professional. What you hear all day influences you and affects you and your body and your mind, even if you want it or not. Um, that that must be complicated no maybe sometimes because you you spend your all day taking in all those stories and but you still have to deal with your own shit also as a human being yeah um is that complicated to navigate all that
2: at times it is and only because as a human i get caught up in my own story right but the actual opportunity of having so many stories come to me It's like if I'm reading all these different books. So all these different books are teaching me something that is a great reminder for myself. Well, sometimes when I go home and I'm just the human self, I forget. I forget those stories and stick just to mine. Mm. But then when I catch myself, I'm able to be humbled by all those stories that I'm exposed to. Mm. So... Therapy for me is also therapy for me. <laughs> right? Individually. Yeah. Sometimes I, sh- I come to sessions with a client and I'm the one receiving the therapy. Because mm-hmm. through the conversation and through the exchange and through the remembering of what it's like sometimes to go through these hurdles that maybe I'm not going through, it's therapeutic for me. You know, sometimes when they're having an amazing moment and I am not, it's therapeutic for me because it reminds me and connects me to that emotion as an individual. So therapy for me is therapy for me. <laughs> I love that. I'd never thought about it no, that way. Yeah, I've well. never seen
1: it this <laughs> yeah. from this point of view. It's really interesting.
2: Yeah, for instance, so mentioned... in, COVID, in COVID, I had my uncle died right he passed from covid oh, i'm sorry and i was they called me literally 5 minutes before i was going into a session right and he was back home he was one of my favorite uncles on earth i hadn't seen him in like 2 years we didn't even know he was at the hospital cuz he didn't want anybody to freak out and then i had a session right so i had to hang up the phone and take my client in cuz i'm not going to cancel a session <laughs> it's mm. just not what I do, unless it's like mm. death or on myself. So I took the client in and that session allowed me to separate from that painful lens and go into a different space, which allows me to process later on from a different space the news. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: That takes a lot of self-awareness and and practice. Or, uh, yeah that's probably where your years of experience came and became yeah, useful yeah. to to create I, this know, space I, that you needed. i
2: actually think it's more um a passion because for me therapy is mm. not work for me therapy is mm. just this beautiful space so when i have this beautiful space all the time i'm refreshed mm. right? when i go home is when i'm tired but in yeah. sessions i'm refreshed.
1: So really interesting is I, I would have expected the opposite, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, to i don't know hearing those things all day and and having people exposing their life and venting at you or whatever. i i would have thought, you know, that would be exhausting in a sense Mm-mm. and uh, no, not it's for amazing me. that you have this mindset cuz that that's what allows you to well, wake up every day to do it with a smile, yes, <laughs> and to yes. keep going, and and to want to carry on with it. Otherwise, yes. it won't last. Otherwise, I guess. <laughs>
2: yes, yes, and that's why I said you know it's easier than it, I think. It's just the passion, you know. If you're, if yeah. you're an artist and you and you're tired, but you're going to connect through that canvas and the painting, you're not working. You're expressing yourself. Yeah. So it's the same for me, and I I would assume it's the same for everybody that has that passion for something, right? When you're doing it, it, it doesn't matter if you're that tired. You get into a meditative space where it revives you.
1: Yeah.
0: It must feel incredible when you have a client have a breakthrough. When they, like, you know, something when they go through something big or achieve something big or whatever it is, it must be like, holy shit, I did that. Like, I ha- well, not I did that, but, you know, you helped with that yes. process. That must be quite empowering for you. And, like, it is. you know, you're their biggest cheerleader, aren't you?
2: Yes, it is. It is amazingly special. It's amazingly mm-hmm. special to be able to see somebody say, I get it. Or say, mm-hmm. I had never thought of it that way. Or say, so I can choose. It's just, like, it gives me goosebumps. (laughs) So cool.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned a few minutes ago that you moved to this country, being the United States. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit maybe about where you come from and, uh, yeah, a little bit about your, your backstory?
2: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Nicaragua, and that's in Central America. For some of you that are familiar, with Costa Rica is right next to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I came, but when I was a little girl, my country was in war, kind of like what some countries are experiencing right now. So there was a big, mm. like, migration. So when I was four years old, we came to this country because we had to flee. And I stayed here until I was 10 or 11, and then we went back home. And then I stayed there for a couple of years, but I would come every year to visit here to the States Mm -hmm. because I had also family here. So I would spend my summers here. I started working at 15, 16, like most people do in this country. So my summers were here working and then I would go back home. And when I graduated high school, then we moved to Honduras. No, I graduated from Honduras. And then I moved back to Nicaragua. I did a master's and MBA because that was my dad's dream. So I gifted him an MBA. And then I came to pursue my dream, which was to have a degree in my field, which was psychology, right? It, mm. it, back home, they don't offer a master's or doctorate's degree in psychology. So for me mm-hmm. to be able to come and practice and actually live from it, I had to leave my country. Because in Central America at that time, you would starve if you were a therapist. Mm. Right? Mm. So I had to come here, I got to, I did my masters, my I did my internship while I was working and did the classes and I was very busy until I
0: completed all that and then I started working. So I have some questions. Yeah. What how what do you remember of moving from Nicaragua to the states? Do you remember that move or do Horrible. you kind of just <laughs>
2: It was horrible. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Because we've spoken to quite a few different people who move, especially to the States, at different stages of their lives. So it's always interesting to hear their perspective of I mean, it was different for you, I guess, coming from, you know, a, a country at war at the time. But it's interesting to see how like the cultures are different and the education is different. Everything's and a different. it's different to home. And what was your experience with that?
2: Well, when I was a little girl, I don't have much of a recollection but it was really impactful for me when I moved as an adult, right? So I moved back when I was 25 and it was quite lonely. I realized that the culture was very different. And when I was back home, you know, and this is not with the intention to offend anybody. I used to say, oh, this would never happen in the U.S. Oh, this would never happen if I was over there. Oh, the corruption, that doesn't... Okay, then I got a reality check when I moved here. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that everything happens everywhere, right? And it was very lonely. Back home, I was used to going to the gym and seeing friends after work and hanging out and then hanging out with my parents and then going to sleep. Like, the day lasted forever. Here, I was only going homework, work, work, school, back home. Mm. And I did not know anybody. And if I did know anybody... Everybody has their own schedule, their own life and their own routine. So even Mm. if I had a neighbor who was my friend that lived a few blocks away, I would not see them in six months. Mm. And that was just completely different. And because we were used, I was used to family gatherings every weekend and friends every week and going out with friends on weekends and very cohesive community culture where here is more independent culture
0: yeah yeah
1: Yeah. Uh, and also correct me if i'm wrong but we had some guests from nicaragua and nicaragua is one of the poorest like the second poorest country from the america's block right yeah yeah um so it must have been also quite a shock obviously coming between i mean nicaragua and the extreme that can be florida and the united states
2: (laughs) yeah for Um, me it was a bit different because i was very familiar since a little girl of having lived here and coming back every year so that was different that was like no big deal for me it was like a second home what was really different was more the community versus independent culture Hmm. right that was the biggest crash for me because again, I was used to being surrounded by people all the time. Whereas here, I'm by myself most of the time. Right. And I don't get to see friends as often as I would like to. And sometimes it's because I have other things to do and they're like, let's go. I'm like, Ahh. right. <laughs> so it's a different subculture. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Were you supported by? family when you wanted to become a therapist is that something that that was supported yeah
2: yeah my dad and my mom always had the notion that whatever we wanted to study that's what we wanted to study and they had no beef that's my amazing. dad did want me to have an mba because yeah. it, it <laughs> would be good for your business when in the future yada yada so whatever right but he was always you want to go do that go do that
1: hmm. that's amazing because it's not always the yeah. case, sadly. So yes, <laughs> that's why I like not. to ask. No, yeah. And um, so you you officially became a therapist in the US, because that's mm-hmm. where you got your, how is it called, certification? Yeah, uh, so I did my I bachelor's
2: back home and I did it through an American university. So my bachelor's mm-hmm. was accredited here. And then when I moved mm-hmm. here to do the master's, then I just joined a master's program and that's where i completed it here and i did all the requirements because you know it takes forever and a day to become a therapist and then i started just working and here i am
1: i've got a very easy question but actually i i didn't know that until i've listened to another episode that you did <laughs> with someone else uh, can you explain the difference between a therapist and a psychologist? Yes. Cuz apparently so, it's not the same and I thought it was the same.
2: <laughs> yes, a lot of people think it's the same and actually I thought it was the same until I came to this country. <laughs> In Latin America there's no differentiation. You you graduated with your bachelor's as a psychologist and that was all you needed. And that's what I did. You know, I graduated as a psychologist. My bachelor's because back home you kind of do internships integrated into the program whereas mm. here you don't have internships until you're done with your masters or you're in mm. your doctor program so it's a different structure so when I came here I realized that I had two options I had to either become a master level therapist or a doctor therapist okay. mm. the difference lies in that one is four years yeah, it's two years of classes plus two years of supervision. The other one is four years out of which two years are the same master's classes that you get plus two years of internships plus another thesis. So it's oh, actually okay. the same program, but if you have a master's, they don't give you the credit for the master's. You have to do it again. Good. it. So the only difference lies in the fact that as a doctorate student, they teach you how to do testing, personality testing, uh, memory testing, whatever testing, without supervision, because now you have more experience because you have a longer program, right? Whereas master level, I can still apply the testing, but I cannot sign it just me. It has to be mm-hmm. under the signature of a psychologist, okay, which is a doctorate mm-hmm. okay. program.
1: Okay. So the main difference lies within some administration yeah. stuff, basically. And it's a lot of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah that, and even the
2: sense. pay is not even that big of a difference, which sucks because mm. we're not that far apart. And then the other, pe- the other one that they get confused is the psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a yeah. doctor who took classes on medication for your brain body. They are I mean, not I mean, therapists, therapists, right? Okay. So that's why you go to a psychiatrist and you don't do therapy. You don't get therapy. There is nothing therapeutic of the session. Mm. It's just what's going on with the medication. This, okay, let's try this and bye. 10 minutes. Mm.
1: Understood. Okay. That makes sense. And did you have at some point to specialize in anything during your your studies or when you started your career or, or no?
2: The beauty about this field is that you get specialized based on those you work with and the populations that you serve, right? And based on who you're Mm -hmm. serving, you get to experience a lot of what they go through. So you learn and then maybe take a certification or two on a specific technique or approach that you believe is going to work for that population. Mm -hmm. So having said that, I've been blessed to work with a lot of different populations. I started working with parents single mothers or families that had newborn babies for the first time or that were parenting again after so many years. I had experience with mothers who had dual diagnoses of so depression, postpartum depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorders. You know, so I started that as a family coach was the title. And then I transitioned into working with sex offenders and court-ordered populations, so the forensic population. And I did that for for a good couple of years. And under that umbrella, I worked with pretty much everything court-ordered. So drug addiction, anger management, um, disability, um, domestic violence, sex offenders, of course. That was the main population that we served at the time. And on top of that, I did immigration evaluations, you know, evaluations for students, for colleges that needed a special accommodation. So I did a bunch of different things. Then I transitioned into um, working into one one of the prisons here in Florida. So I worked at South Florida Behavioral Reception Center. And that was amazing, too, because it was a lifelong dream of mine to work for the prison system. And Mm. yes, I loved it. I would go back in a heartbeat. (laughs) But with COVID, I haven't been able to volunteer. Hmm. So that population in itself taught me a lot about deep-rooted pain and the concept of love and what a lot of people are wanting that are not really expressing and then I went into substance use and dual diagnosis so I worked a couple of years in that too with the homeless. I was the lead clinician for one of the substance use treatment programs for the homeless. so I've been blessed and then on top of that I started private practice so
1: you've seen a lot <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. it must be I'm just think like something come up for me is. Saying that you worked with sex offenders or people that you that have been convicted of doing something wrong, you've got to have a certain amount of compassion to then want to help them and understand them and not just be like, well you should rot in jail because you did something wrong yeah do you see what I mean it must take some sort of like like knowing that they've hurt people but then but, but then still going to help them, yeah that's. I never even even knew that (laughs) seeing people in prisons or jails was like a thing that happened. Well, actually, it's not, sadly, right? And that was one of the
2: reasons why I wanted to be a therapist for the prison system. Because it's one of those Mm. populations, just like the sex offender forensics populations, that are stigmatized as being, Mm. you know, the shittiest of all shits. So... The reality is that how are you going to make a difference if you're treating people like shit? You should expect Mm. them to get more shit because there's a lot of shitty people. (laughs) So if there's no one assisting, facilitating, guiding, and shifting these tendencies and behaviors that these shitty people have, how are you going to make a difference in the world? right?
0: Yeah, how do you expect them to change as well? Yeah. Yeah, so
2: the prison system, because most of them are private, they are not interested in rehabilitation. They Mm. have mental health providers, but the mental health providers tend to be not as engaged, you know, and Mm. quite limited as well because there's a lot of violence in the prison system. And if Mm. I go against a certain hierarchy, then the one who gets targeted as well is... And that was one of the reasons why I decided to step away from the prison system, not because of the inmates, but because of the other staff that would limit system. what I would say or not say because then I was a target and I was mm. not going to support violence.
1: At what point did you have this ID motivation to, to help in this very specific uh, domain where's that coming from
2: you know i when it comes to the forensics um i was always attracted to forensic population it was okay. like i want to understand why you kill people like <laughs> talk to me oh. i want to That's know why like what happened that this is the outcome right mm-hmm. and so it was a lifelong dream like i said and when I got the call without blinking, I said, yes, right? I wanted to be part of that system. And what I learned after you know, being in contact with people that have life sentences, people that have killed other people, people that have been drug addicts and done all sorts of things, is that they were very, very, very much hurt themselves as a little kid. Mm. Yeah. Right. So the consensus is around the age of 11, 12, your life became shit because Mm. the adults around were either not present or they didn't know how to do it better. And because of that, most of the inmates that have been sentenced is because they had to take on the role of being the provider for a younger sibling or for being the provider for their parent who was unable to assist themselves. And because they had to take on this role at such a young age without any guidance, without maturity, without resources, they're going to turn into the streets, which is the easiest way to get money to become, you know, to establish some sort of a reputation that gets you more money so that you can assist. But most often than not, the intention started as I need to show up for my family. So when you take the prison system and when you take the inmate from that label and see the individual, you are able to recognize that this child experienced severe trauma that led to this. And from a global perspective, the system contributes by not offering anything to show it differently. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Yeah, like you said, uh, especially if, if prisons are private, it's a business ultimately. Yes, it is a business. <laughs> it's the, the point is not to. Um, it's not to rehabilitate. Help. It's, yeah, the point is not to help people. It's just to <laughs> to keep them in the system because the more. Yeah. the the system, the more it's feeding the system. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And thankfully, there's other countries that do it differently. So there are other models that are that have shifted and I respect them tremendously because there are parts of Europe that the prisons, their population is lowered compared to the US. The US has the least Mm. population and the most people in prison (laughs) and for the stupidest reasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and also a very specific, you know, demographic most of the time. Yeah. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah. Um, I'm curious when... So, you know, at the beginning I said that you are not the usual therapist and you have a very holistic, uh, different approach to therapy and the way you help your patients or clients. I don't know which the right term. Clients. Um, clients when you started your career did you have this idea of maybe again lack of a better word providing a service that might be a little bit different than what you've learned in the in a book of how to be a good therapist (laughs) or when did that came At at what time did that came well
2: yes and no because my first introduction to the world of therapy was back home um, as I volunteered for the psychiatric hospital back home. The psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital back home, like most in Latin America, has zero to nothing of resources to offer the people that are there. They're basically an asylum where people get thrown off because they either have nowhere to go, they have no family, and if mm-hmm. they have family, the family can't do anything for them, and it's a lot of poverty, Right. Yeah. Now, having said that, are there people that are severely mentally affected? Yes. Right? Abandonment, neglect, all these things. Mm-hmm. So that was my first introduction to to that type of world. And it was very humbling for me because I would see that they had nobody that would come visit them. They had nobody that would talk to them. They. It was a very lonely world. So... Mm-hmm my intention was always to have conversations and to try to get to know the person who was in front of me, even if they (laughs) didn't make any sense, right? So if they would tell me, oh, you know, I'm the king of Egypt, I'd be like, "Some want to be the queen, right? And those were the conversations I would have. So it was very humane. It was very humane. And that allowed me to kind of practice the client-centered approach. That is one of the approaches in psychology, and it's just about the person that's in front of you, right? Hmm. Then I came to this country, um, unfortunately, as a master's program. At that time, I don't know now, they didn't offer any client, real type of client contact. We just had to role play amongst each other. Oh, you're going to be this diagnosis. I'm going to play. Oh, okay. So, It was very formal. It was very book-oriented. And at that time, it was, you have to have a poker face and you can't show your feelings and you can't do this and you can't do the other. But when I started seeing clients, it didn't feel right for me. So I just Mm -hmm. rebelled and started doing my (laughs) own thing.
1: Yeah, because that's, again, to go back, you know, to my cliche at the beginning of the episode, like this is why I imagine it's like poker face. Yeah. Uh, yes, no, answers. That's kind of a like, very. I'm not connecting with you. I'm not showing any emotions to you.
2: Yeah, having uh, a desk when, in between and all these. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah.
1: Like this, like you said, this is not about connecting with people mm-hmm. at all. Uh, so I guess at some point, yeah, your your personality came out yeah. and yes yes, to, yes i was like no this is through. this is
2: too boring like uh, how am i not <laughs> like how am i gonna hold my tear when it's like dripping down my cheek because i am going if you are crying i want to cry with you because i am mm. connecting
0: with what you're feeling so yeah. what's wrong with that nothing
1: yeah
0: i guess also it means that like i think for me if my therapist was crying with me I'd feel more connected to them as well because yeah. they like they feel my emotions and we're in it together rather than like, talking to robot. Okay, you tell me how you feel, and then you sat there crying, and someone's like, "Okay, great, well, right, yeah, here's right." The next question, and so it means you both connect to each other more.
2: Yes, and in a way, you know, within that, there is a, a population that expects you not to cry with them, right? Mm. So all that gets understood the moment you connect with the person. So if I know that you are open and that we have this therapeutic bond where this is okay with you, then we're going to do that. If I know that you are more quote unquote standoffish and that, why are you crying? Like, are you, you're going to make me feel shittier because now you're crying, then I won't cry. Right. So it's about really getting to know the person that's in front of you so that you can gauge what is going to serve them best.
1: Mm. Mm. that that makes me think in a way also that there's probably um you, you, like you obviously need to have a connection with your therapist and as a therapist you need to have a connection with your patient and maybe every therapist and patient are not a good match you you need to have mm-hmm. a certain bond for the chemistry and the the magic to happen in a way
2: yes you know and there are clients that are gonna come and they're gonna be like you're weird so this is not what i expected bye (laughs) right because they're looking for a different style they're gonna be clients that are gonna come in and be like this is amazing i feel at home awesome and there's clients, you know, that are going to come in, try you out. And if they're not ready, they're going to be like, you're awesome, but I'm not ready. I'm out. Right? So there's a little bit of everything that happens.
1: Yeah, that's, that's understandable, yeah.
0: So how long have you been doing this for? How long have you been? So in this country, since 07. No, I mean, how long have you been doing um, therapy for? Like, how long, when did you get your degree? Formally since 2010. Okay, so like. But I started years. working before, yeah. Yeah. Because I was asking that, because you've obviously in 12 years spoken to a lot of people and heard a lot of stories. What would you say is your biggest lesson about people in general? Like, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned or. Yeah, biggest lesson that you've taken away from talking to so many people with so many different things going on in their lives. We all want the same thing. Mm.
1: Mm. Which is
2: love. Mm. Simple. <laughs> yes. You know, I was in the I was in the prison system. They wanted love. They just mm. have been taught not to show it, not to ask for it, <clears throat> and not even know what it is. So they're very curious when it's offered. Mm. Um, when I was with sex offenders, all they wanted was to get, be given a chance. Because under the unfortunately in this country, under the umbrella of sex offenders, you have people that I was 18, she was 15, and we had sex, and here I am as a sex offender. Mm. Right? There's a lot of that as a sex offender. The minority are the pedophiles. And the pedophiles are the ones that perpetuate a crime against a child. Mm. That's the minority of sex offenders. But people tend to think that sex offenders are the majority being pedophiles or just pedophiles. And that's not the Mm. reality of it. It's very easy to get a sex offense charge in this country. Like there's mm-hmm. kids that have been eight years old on trial with a label that's gonna be sex offender because they were touching their younger sibling. Mm.
0: Okay.
2: So it's very easy to get a label and you tend to forget once the label's there to inquire what is it that actually happened? What is this person really wanting? You know, and I have a very different approach and understanding to pedophiles and a lot of people of course don't like this approach which is fine. But my 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 personal experience with pedophiles has been that yeah. they are seeking love in a such a distorted desperate way that they seek it with those that is that are closer to them. Because that is the oh. safest. Right? If you are my daughter, if you're my niece, if you're my grandchild, you are safe. Because if I go outside, it's a bigger issue. Because people are going to treat me, judge me, do all sorts of things where they're not going to understand me. So it's a very distorted need for love. But at the end of it is they want love. And most pedophiles that I came across had shame and disgust towards themselves for having offended mm. in that way. Right? Again, it's the very, very minority, very minute minority that has no shame about it. And they're, they're like, I don't even want to understand. It's a, whatever. Those are very few. Mm. Very few. Mm. Drug addiction. Yeah. They want love. They want acceptance. They're not getting it, so
0: it's easier to get high now so. I probably shouldn't say this but I, I I really think I would struggle to have compassion for a pedophile like I really think I was like I've never met a lot of one people do I know about anyway yes.
1: but I really think yeah. I'd
0: struggle to have a open calm <laughs> like mm-hmm. any kind of conversation with someone to try and help them knowing what they like i I'd, I don't know if I'd be able to do that, honestly. And I know it's yeah. pro- I probably shouldn't say that on a podcast or no, <laughs> on YouTube. And no, things, there's most ta- like people... It definitely takes a certain person to be able to do that, to be able to yeah know they've done that thing, but then still want to help them. That's Yeah, such a, most like,
2: people are going to relate people, to your yeah. approach.
0: Yeah, most people are going to yeah. relate to it because
2: not everybody holds the same experiences and not everybody holds the same belief systems, right? So most people would yeah. be on your on your team and that's fine. Right. And and another thing that makes me laugh in a not so happy way is that you you get a group of sex offenders, you get a group of killers, you get a group of drug addicts, and they're all going to bash each other. And they're all going to say, you're worse. No, you're worse. No, you're worse. Right. And I would be like, people like get it together. In society's eyes, you're all shit. So why are you all fighting here? Like, you should all understand that you have been labeled and judged. So why are you doing it to your neighbor who also did something like that? Right. So it's a very common human reaction to say no. Right. But
1: Hmm.
2: I personally just hold a different perspective
0: yeah no yeah. i i appreciate that and i really respect you for it because yeah well i've said i just think it would be hard for certain people yeah, like no, myself I mean, so i love that there are people like yeah. you that would go into those yeah, situations exactly. and help these people where otherwise they're being overlooked and judged and
1: yeah not respected and not and neglected you know everything and else and yeah, yeah. I, I, I mm. like, we all human and and yeah I mean yeah, it's I don't know it's complicated, yeah so
2: it's, we all do uh, our but... little thing right and and based on our yeah. our storyline it it could be something that others are never gonna understand, yeah, yeah,
1: and it's fine, and you know like it's I think I've heard this definition of compassion at some point is that you know you don't need to understand to feel something like it's you don't have to understand everything and everyone on the planet mm-hmm. um, to to respect what they do in a sense also. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm curious about, again, I'm, I'm going back to the fact that you you have a, an approach that is different to the classic uh, therapy that we we see and we hear very often. Did you encounter, and do you at the moment encounter in your career, some friction and some trouble because maybe you're trying to bring a different approach to therapy by introducing more spiritual uh, approaches to to the prat- practice and stuff like that uh, are, are you having maybe some issues some uh, problem with colleagues or the the whole world of therapy
2: i have had some experiences where other therapists did not appreciate my approach hmm. Because they had a different view, right? For instance, I've worked with therapists that work with sex offenders who believe sex offenders are pieces of shit. And they're Mm. still the ones providing therapy to that population, right? So I have had experiences where my approach is like, you shouldn't be doing that, right? And it goes in this ear and it goes out that ear, right? (laughs) (laughs) And nowadays, because there's all these wonderful coaching opportunities out there, I think people are more open to having different types of experiences and being provided different resources. So I think the coaching business has come to kind of stop the stigma that you have to have this and you have to be in this way because a lot of coaches, some of them have certifications, some of them don't. And some of them that don't are amazing. And then you realize that it's not really about what you have been taught. It's more about what you can do for the person. Okay. So very true. because yeah. there's this open movement, then people are more open to say, oh, Tara, oh, crystals, oh, oils, oh, regressions. Oh, I'm interested. Oh, tell me about that. So I think the mm. the society and communities have been evolving and changing Mm.
0: because
1: it's it's funny that we talk about that because we this is a topic we approached in our previous episode as well it's uh, science versus spirituality Mm -hmm. most of the time those two domain clash Uh, most of the time you're on one group or the other and you think the other one is just a weirdo yeah, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and many people, many domain are trying to bridge a gap between both. Mm-hmm. but you know, I would say that we see the the study of psychology at school is probably more scientific based on yeah know, some, it's more structured yeah. and stuff like that yeah and 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 you're trying to bring this spirituality into a very scientific domain. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, And they can both sometimes conflict and, and reject each other. So that's really interesting that you're trying to bring those two pieces of a puzzle that might not yeah. fit uh, together, you know?
2: Well, now psychology has branches like energy psychology, which translates yeah. into alternative healing modalities. <laughs> mm-hmm. So energy psychology, positive psychology spiritual psychology are now part of the part of the clan and they okay. came to showcase that there are other approaches that weren't considered before that now are resonating more with people
1: mm. okay i Didn't never heard that.
0: existed. No, <laughs> yeah this is why we love talking to people because you just learn so much
1: yeah
0: now you get why i do what i do right
1: yeah yeah <laughs> the last thing i uh i wanted to talk about is uh maybe the reason that we've met each other and the reason we're gonna be uh working together is mental health Mm -hmm. this is uh i mean could talk for hours and hours about it yeah (laughs) but for years and years and years mental health has never been a priority for people like i said at the beginning it's been stigma having mental health issues um if you have a physical issue again with a sore muscle normal or something, yeah it's totally normal but let's say if you have a i don't know like a, a personality sore brain <laughs> personality disorder personality stuff like whatever it is it's weird and you yeah. don't talk about it it's a taboo you deal with it on the side and yeah let's keep it quiet okay yeah. It's going to bring shame in a family or stuff like that. Things are changing a little bit. It's still very far from being great. Yes. But maybe as bad as COVID has been, a lot of people realize that everyone can be subject to mental health mm. troubles. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, not hap- it's not happening just to someone else. Right. Uh, even to the best of us, you know. Mm-hmm and And I think that's helping clearly to to break this stigma um, yeah what's your take i guess on how do you for example, I define mental health? why is it important for everyone why everyone should care about their mental health and and look after themselves
2: mm-hmm. i think i I totally agree that it has been evolving you know the the mental health aspect of how it's talked about nowadays way more so than before before it was like a secret now there's more news on the importance of paying attention to yourself and self-care and all that wonderful things that are part of quote-unquote mental health but i think the the main issue is that mental health should not be called mental health because it makes you think that it's just mental and And that's completely off, right? It's completely off because it doesn't integrate the fact that what you went through is what's going to impact you. It's not what you were born with, right? Whereas mental sounds like, ooh, there's something mentally wrong with you. Like, you were born this way. And a lot of diagnoses and labels around the mental health field are about people understanding that there's something wrong with this person. No, there's nothing wrong with this person. It's that this person has experienced a bunch of shit and that impacted them. And as a defense mechanism, most of the disorders arose because they're a side effect to a situation, not because they were born as the situation, right? Mm. So there are some... Organic diagnoses, right? So for instance, if you are born with a physiological disorder, it's not mental, it's physiological. It's your organism as a whole, right? But if you're diagnosed from a mental health perspective, then it sounds weird and different. So I think that's one of the misalignments that still remains in the mental health field that maintains a stigma. So mental health for me is not the labels it's not the diagnoses it's not your mind it's all about this heart 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 what are you experiencing what are you feeling what did that do for you how did that impact you what did that create in your mind for you it's not that your mind is fucked up it's just that something happened let's talk about what happened let's understand what happened let's get into how that felt what did you do with that feeling when and fear, anxiety, depression kicked in? What did you do with that? Oh, I held it in. For how long? For most of my life. Oh, voila. Then you have strong symptoms. It's not because you were born this way. It just developed as a side effect too, right? Anxiety is not an illness. Anxiety is a symptom of. The question is, what is it of? right? (laughs) Depression is not a thing. It's a symptom, side effect too. The question is what, right? Mm. So we're not born depressed. We're not born anxious. We're not born with a personality disorder. We might be born autistic, but that is not a just mental thing. That is a whole system thing, right? We might be diagnosed Asperger's or the autistic spectrum that includes Asperger's, right? But that's a whole system thing. It's not just a mental health thing, right? If I have a reaction to stimuli around me, that's not mental, people. That's physical. Mm. So mental health is not just mental. It's everything, it's just a side effect too. And I don't know why they decided to call it mental. Mm.
1: You just blew my mind here. <laughs> I, that is... <laughs> I don't have much to say because I'm going to have to really listen to that. To really take it in. Um, but, wow, okay. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting and different approach to everything I've read or heard before. That's why it's kind of... Uh, Not easy to take in on the first time, (laughs) but um, yeah, I see what you mean. It's, yeah, it's a very totally different approach to anything I've heard before.
2: Yes. And that's Mm -hmm. why the words are so important. Right. And words create reality. Words are spells. We're casting spells. So the longer we say I'm broke, then you broke. But if you say, well, you know, I went from broke to being in transition. And now I'm in the process of finding a job that suits and pays me what I need for my life to be X, Y, Z. You're no longer ill. Now you're in the process of, right? So the same applies for mental health. If you are experiencing anxiety and you just keep saying, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, then you're anxious. But if you say, I'm experiencing symptoms of anxiety because I've realized that this happened and that caused this and i've been holding on to this long therefore i haven't coped with it in a way that facilitates me showing up differently when this happens ah, you're no longer anxious now there's a separation yeah, between yeah. who you are and what you're yeah. experiencing Yeah. right you are not broke you are in transition to getting a job that you as an individual are fine you're just in the search of job. You as an individual are an individual. You're not anxiety. Yeah, Anxiety is something.
1: Experiencing separate. something. Right. Yeah. 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 And suddenly you're creating a distinction between you, who you are as a human being and whatever you're experiencing and going through rather than, yeah, identifying as, hi, I'm... And this is the way we introduce each other. You know, it's yeah. like we we have this relationship with jobs you know like, mm-hmm. when someone asks you like what do you do in life or who you are like we tend to say oh i am a
2: yeah i'm a mental health therapist yeah.
1: when you know like who are you mm-hmm. like i don't know i'm you know i'm a man who likes to do this and that and whatever yeah. like you, you could introduce yourself as you want but we attach that as our Really, identity, the core of mm-hmm. who we are. Yeah, we're in identity, and and yeah, we, we tend to do the same. Is yeah, I'm I'm just a very anxious person and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and that's where I guess the mindset and the thoughts create an impact who you become in a sense. Like mm-hmm. you, if you like you said, like if you all day every day you keep yes. telling to yourself you're a piece of shit, you're gonna believe that you're a piece of shit at some point.
2: Yes, yes, you know. And one of the approaches that psychology offers is the narrative approach and the narrative approach holds the belief that we're all narrators of our reality therefore it asks you to look into how you're narrating your reality to then establish what's off from that narration right and from that perspective then the shifts are based on how you start retelling your story or expanding the way you tell your story right Hmm. i could either be oh you know i am a victim of or i could say i experienced this situation and i went through this which taught me that and now i am expanded
1: Hmm.
2: okay
1: Hmm. yeah no that makes a lot of sense yeah We could talk for hours, I feel. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things bubbling in my head and and I think I'll I'll have even more questions if I have to listen to everything you said again because it's a lot to take in, honestly, um, because it's so interesting. I can't wait to... Watch your all the videos that we you're gonna be doing for mm-hmm. our project because I'm I'm gonna watch them very. Thank you, you know, like a good student. <laughs> <to be laughs> thank honest. you, thank you. It's very interesting. Um, if people wants to get in touch with you to say hi, to work with you, to learn from you, what is the best way to to reach out and learn more about you?
2: Yeah, so IG handle is evolve e v o l v e, underscore in and obviously it's because we want to evolve in, right? Everything that is inward is what is the key to anything that's outward. So evolve in is the handle for IG. Then if you're a Spanish speaker, I have recently opened a Facebook in Spanish with the same handle, evolve in. My website is More Than Therapy, LMHC, which stands for licensed mental health therapist, right? dot com so more than therapy lmhc.com in the future that's going to be changing because i'm revamping the website but that's for now yeah, more than therapy <laughs> and then psychology today is a directory where you can find a, a bit of a profile on me so you go into psychology today and look for a therapist my name Dariela Sequeira, i'm gonna show up with my blue hair another directory <laughs> is sock doc which is z o D as in cat and D-O-C is usually a directory for medical doctors, but they're integrating therapists now. So you can find oh, me yeah. at, so- at SockDoc2. And I think that is it. I mean, I have LinkedIn, uh, but other are yeah. ones.
1: I will link all your contact in the description anyway, so people just have to click. so they will find you very easily.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. And once you go to the IG, then it has links to the website and short yeah. Dog and all that fun stuff.
0: <laughs> Before we close off, we have a question that we ask all of our guests. So if you could have a conversation with anybody who is dead or alive, famous or not, who you think would be super duper interesting, you would love to pick their brain and ask them lots of questions. Who would you choose and why?
2: You know initially i would have said freud (laughs) i love freud Mm -hmm. but i would choose my mother Mm. yeah i would choose my mother because now after gaining all these different perspectives and experiences and understanding more about the world i would like to get her perspective now me as an adult as to her story
0: Mm. Mm thank you for sharing thank you. and thank you're you for welcome. talking to us for this past hour it's been <laughs> eye-opening wonderful we've learned so much and yeah like jeremy said i can't wait to see the videos you do for <laughs> the project which i think you should talk about jeremy because we keep calling it the project but we should talk about it and leave a link to that as well <laughs> yeah i'll leave a link
1: uh royalflowschool.com uh, you're gonna be a faculty member on the yoga teacher training that we are we're creating the woman <laughs> Yeah, as yeah uh, you're, you're gonna be on both sides which is yes. interesting yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah you're gonna be doing a, a specific module about mental health talking about depression anxiety a lot of the things that we talk about is but you're mm-hmm. gonna dive into the way deeper into it so'll I'll leave it linked as well in the description so people can check it out but yeah i'm I'm very very pumped and excited about learning more from from you honestly because you totally blew my mind and changed all the view and all the misperception I had about mental health and therapy and stuff like that so we thank you (laughs)
2: yes thank you thank Thank you for having me and inviting me and you know for trusting me to come as a guest and be decent (laughs) so (laughs) thank you thank you to both of you and I know it's you know there's a time difference and all that fun stuff so I really appreciate
0: you having me thank you thank you so much and thank you everybody watching on youtube we hope you enjoyed it and everybody listening on the podcast we'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode so until then have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week
1: Bye. bye